Hello, and welcome to Raising the O.C. Bar, a podcast about the rich and unique history of the Orange County, California legal community. From landmark cases to impactful institutions to legal trailblazers, Raising the O.C. Bar spotlights events and stories that have shaped the Orange County legal community. Assisting the community is baked into the mission of the OCBA, so today we're here to talk about the Public Law Center, one of the most impactful institutions in the Orange County legal community, and the OCBA's longstanding connection with the PLC. I'm Michael Gregg, 2023 OCBA president, and I'll be your host today along with uh, Judge Andy Guilford. Andy? Thank you, President Greg. Let me just quickly say I was a trial attorney at one of the first large L.A. law firms that carpet bagged their way into Orange County. Uh, boy, back in the, back in the 70s. It's the Orange County Bar Association president in 1991. I became the state bar president in the year 2000. In 2006, I became a federal judge right here in Orange County. Served quite a few years there, and now I work at Judicate West. And today we have the privilege of being uh, joined by a distinguished group of individuals who have a deep understanding of PLC's history. Uh, Thank you all so much uh, for being with us here today. Uh, Before we begin the discussion, I'd like to have our speakers introduce themselves. Thanks, Michael. I'm Ken Babcock. Uh, I was the executive director of the Public Law Center from September 2000 to January 2023, a little over 22 years. I came to the organization with a strong background in pro bono. Uh, I had been a pro bono volunteer in private practice for the first uh, eight and a half years of my uh, career as a lawyer, and then I went to work for a pro bono organization in Los Angeles and was there for about uh, 11 or so years, uh, where I had the the pleasure of meeting a couple of our other panelists um, who were involved in the the legal services community. Uh, My name is Scott Wiley. Um, I was the director of the Public Law Center from 1992 until 1999. I presently run the pro bono programs for the state of Indiana. Uh, My um, home location where I moved after I finished my time in Southern California. And I had the wonderful privilege of helping build the organization, turn it over to Ken to turn it into the giant megalopolis it is now. Well, um, I'm Bob Cohen, and uh, I was the director of the Legal Aid Society of Orange County until 2016. I grew old there. Um, Before that, For five years, I was at the National Senior Citizens Law Center. And before that, for a couple of years, I was at Clark County Legal Services. I'm here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Time goes by fast. I I guess it's my turn. Uh, My name is John Trotter, but I've always gone by Jack. Uh, I've been a member of the Orange County Bar Association since 1964. I practiced a few years in Los Angeles before I moved here. Uh, I was honored to be president of the bar, Orange County Bar. I think it was in, uh, well, it was 19, I think it was 78. I think that's the right year, 1978. I became a judge shortly thereafter. 
I served as a trial judge. I was on the Court of Appeal before there was the third district. I sat in San Bernardino. It was the second district. And when the third district was created in, uh, I think it was 83, I became the first presiding justice. Uh, I left the court after about eight years and joined an organization uh, which we developed called JAMS. And I finally retired from JAMS last year. May I give a preview and say we have a whole program coming up on arbitration and mediation and the role of JAMS and, and the central focus of Orange County nationwide and worldwide in exploring this important area. I'm Monica Glicken. I am the executive director currently of the Public Law Center since January of 2023. Before that, for the prior five years, I was leading the immigration unit of the Public Law Center. My entire career has been as an immigration lawyer. I practiced first in Chicago, Illinois, actually, for about eight years at a small boutique immigration law firm. Moved to Southern California because I wanted to raise my kids closer to family found my way to Orange County and started volunteering with Public Law Center. And as one does, as happens, they sunk their teeth into me. And um, pretty soon before I knew it, I was applying for a job to run the immigration unit and haven't looked back since. Thank you all so much for joining us today. It's my understanding that during the latter years of the 1970s, uh, members of the bench and the bar came up with the idea for a law firm that would provide pro bono legal services by placing individual clients with volunteer attorneys in the private bar. Uh, the organization would become the Public Law Center, but operated under different names and was the result of a merger between two different organizations. We'll lean on Bob and Ken to start. Bob, you were in the room during those initial uh, discussions. Uh, tell us about the idea behind the formation of PLC. Yeah, and in order to tell that story, I think we have to um, give the credit to uh, Frank Wavedo. And this was in uh, 1980, and um, Frank uh, was a public member of the State Bar Board of Governors. Frank, um, as good friends do, would share his mind and opinions freely with me about what legal aid was doing and what it shouldn't be doing. And uh, after uh, or during one breakfast meeting, he was uh, giving me, I guess, um, I viewed it as my fair share of abuse about the uh, housing cases undertook. And um, Frank ended um, that with, uh, why don't you do something people would like and, and that the bar would support? And at that in uh, question, I said, how about if we create a pro bono program? And he liked it. And the next thing I know, he had organized a meeting with uh, Gar Schellenberger and Judge uh, Warren Ferguson and had organized an event, our uh, initial event, at the Anaheim Club. I didn't even know the Anaheim Stadium had a club, but it was a, a great event. And it was uh, successful, the concept, in promoting the idea of volunteering. And I think those were the most important uh, aspects uh, of um, what a, a, a foundation of the program needed. And um, it 
they received it then. And fortunately, we uh, also were able to convince uh, the Legal Services Corporation, our federal funder, that it was uh, a good idea to give us a special grant to establish the program. And the pieces fell together. And we were so lucky. I mean, we housed the program at first, and then we it, we turned it over to uh, uh, um, its own separate uh, board. And um, uh, the um, advisory committee became um, the board of directors, and it became a separate uh, corporation. And I think one rule that the corporation had was that legal aid wouldn't be involved in um, the uh, case selection um, other than referring them, and that uh, the uh, organization would um, get its own uh, roots and operate independently. And I guess that's where uh, Ken and uh, Scott can uh, fill in, growing the organization, establishing its legitimacy, are things that really were done by... um, uh, Ken, at any rate, um, uh, Jack, I, I think you were on the initial board um, along with Sheila Sonenshine and also uh, uh, Gar Schellenberger, and you created what was a concept and an idea with a, a, an initial little bit of money um, into uh, the foundation of the program that it has become. So um, hats off to you guys, because uh, you actually made it work. And obviously, from today's conversation, we can see that the program has become a very important part of uh, the bar's efforts and a very important part serving the community. So, Bob, uh, as you look back on your career, I think you should take great pride in what you have done along with the others you have mentioned. And I'd like to throw in Orange County with leaders like you, Bob, and a community, a legal community like Orange County. I think we have really grown to make our mark. And more importantly, thousands and thousands and thousands of people had legal services that they might not otherwise have. So I I tip my hat to you. And of course, Ken, you're one of those people that, uh, grew the organization as well. Maybe you can give us your insight, maybe the different name iterations and the merger and how the merger of the two organizations have impacted your mission. Let's hear from you, Ken. Sure. So uh, Bob described how this initial group that was designed to place cases with volunteer lawyers was formed. Um, It was called Amicus Publico. Um, There was actually some thought to calling it the Public Council of Orange County, um, until the folks at Public Council up in L.A. Um, sent a somewhat sharply worded letter suggesting that that was not a good idea. Um, I, I think it was uh, through Justice Trotter and Judge Ferguson and the others involved who came up with the name Amicus Publico. And that organization through the 1980s did an excellent job of placing individual cases with individual lawyers. Well, there was another concept brewing in Orange County in the mid-1980s, and it was somewhat... Um, uh, a takeoff on what was going on up in L.A., um, where an organization had been formed as, as a law school clinic at USC Law School. The organization also was designed to focus on impact litigation and public policy advocacy instead of focusing on individual client service. That organization ultimately became the Western Center on Law and Poverty. 
federal judge Terry Hatter, before he became a judge, was the first executive director of that organization. Well, folks here in Orange County saw the success that the Western Center was having and thought that there ought to be an organization like that here in Orange County. And so they formed a group called the Orange County Public Interest Law Advocates. Um, and they spent a good three, maybe four years planning and trying to raise money um, uh, so that they could ultimately launch. And they were, they were all set to launch. There was a fair amount of press um, uh, about the, this new organization that was going to focus on impact work. And, and I actually think it was Bob, as the story goes, um, who first raised the idea that, that maybe the two groups, Amicus Publico and the Orange County Public Interest Law Advocates, might want to consider a merger because at that point in time, the Orange County legal community, with respect to the larger firms that were more inclined to do pro bono work, wasn't that large. Um, and there was going to be competition over funding. There was going to be competition over volunteers. And maybe it would be a better idea to merge the two organizations. Well, the, the two organizations did their due diligence to look at whether or not that made sense. And they both concluded that it did make sense. And in 1989, the two groups merged. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the merger agreement uh, made it clear that Amicus Publico was the surviving corporation. And so that's why we have always dated ourselves at PLC back to 1981. Um, and this new organization was called the Poverty Law Center. Um, and it had that name of the Poverty Law Center for, I think, about three years or so, right? Scott, I don't remember if it was during your time or right before your time that the name was changed to the Public Law Center. Um, but that, that happened sometime in the early 1990s. So the merger of the two joined the goals of volunteers taking on cases and impact litigation, two kind of different programs. And I think one of the successes that leaders like Scott and Ken have done is to merge those separate programs successfully and, and accomplish much in both of them. I know that that's not always easy. Sometimes you try and seek corporate contributions, but that's the person you want to sue. And, uh, Anything Scott or Ken want to say about how you've managed so well to continue to perform those two different programs? I, I give a lot of credit to Bob. And, you know, we were dealing with in the late 80s and early 90s with a lot of restrictions on what LSC grantees could do in terms of doing any type of macro change, um, limitations on how LSC-funded um, entities could perform their work. And what that allowed is because we were not funded in that way, it allowed us to sometimes take on matters that might otherwise not been dealt with at all because of the congressional limitations on what LSC programs could do. Blessedly, that's changed over the last several decades. Um, but there were times when, for example, if you had an apartment complex with 10 different apartments and the boiler went out and you had 10 different people that needed to sue to get help, an LSC program couldn't take it because the court would consolidate those matters into a multi-party piece of litigation. And LSE programs weren't allowed to do that in certain circumstances. So there were times when we were able to step in to complement the amazing work that the Legal Aid Society did 
by using the work of pro bono attorneys. And um, I will tell you, it is is always the case in the unique political nature of Orange County. Um, Andy, you're exactly right that there was always a struggle between um, doing the more, perhaps a little bit more antiseptic individual placement with individual attorneys wishing to do individual work and then taking on large corporate interests that um, might affect the, you know, the people of, of great power. And that's always a challenge as lawyers, right? We, when we defend the defenseless, when we defend the person can, you know, can, who's been, you know, charged with a crime, um, lawyers are always taking those kind of more brave steps to figure out um, how to make society better. Um, but we were in a really unique place at that time in the late '80s through the '90s and during Ken's wonderful tenure. Um, you know, with a lot of change going on in the state of California and in the county. So um, I think that legacy that we bring of at least the attempt to make macro change is something that's really unique about because we were created about the same time as a lot of pro bono programs across the country, LA, Chicago, New York, they were all ahead of us. But, you know, that 1980-81 period was the creation of about 90% of the pro bono programs in the United States. Um, And we were right there. And I think that we were um, for where we were um, we were doing some really front-end, cutting-edge work that a lot of programs that didn't have the resources and the number of attorneys we did might not have gotten to do. And when you can do work in a place like Orange County and make change like that, that you know, I always like shaming the folks up in San Francisco and Los Angeles. Well, you know, I, I think I think Scott's exactly right um, in in you know talking about the uniqueness that we were able to provide. But I think there's another way you can also look at this is that by Involving ourselves in both individual impact or individual casework and impact work, we offered a wider array of volunteer opportunities to lawyers who wanted to get involved. Not all lawyers want to do the same thing. Some want to handle that individual matter where they are able to um, run with it and learn all those things, whether it's litigation skills, matter management, what have you, um, that they aren't necessarily getting in their private practice. But other lawyers want to get involved in a larger case that's going to have a bigger impact. Um, they're, They're at a point in their career where they don't need quite that individual case experience. And by getting involved in both the impact work and the individual case placement, we became, I think, a much more attractive opportunity and were able to bring more and more firms into the fold, which is ultimately part of the organization's success. Uh, I was just going to tell a couple of stories about how uh, the two individual um, case service and uh, the impact were kind of merged together in the important role that uh, um, PLC played um, in really making our service system complete. And one of them, I think, uh, occurred just before um, uh, um, you came on, uh, Scott. Um, uh, did you come on right after Justin Clauser? No, there was a Rhonda was in there for about a year in between us. Uh, yeah. Well, Justin was, um, I think, director at the time. And it was a horrible situation, which uh, um, involved um, 70 homeless um, folks getting various tickets for um, uh, different things like picking uh, uh, vegetation, littering. Um, They were just there were a random group of tickets and there were 71 that were held 
at the um, uh, Las Vegas High School stadiums, um, and they were chained to the bench, and they were um, all uh, let go at um, about 10 in the evening and told to keep on walking. And uh, they walked um, in the morning right back to legal aid, and they told us this um, horror story about how they uh, um, were arrested for nothing in their uh, point of view and um, how they had no place to go. And I mean, it was a typical home, homeless uh, story, but it was uh, uh, handled in a, a, a way which uh, was hard to reconcile with any kind of um, human social service way of dealing with things. And because of PLC, because legal aid couldn't undertake those cases, they were minor crimes. Um, but because of PLC, I think Ed Connors at the time organized um, uh, a group of PLC volunteer attorneys to represent um, all, um, I think that there were about 40 of them that went to court and it became one case before Tam Namoto. And she had the um, integrity to find um, against the city um, for um, uh, um, discriminating against the homeless. And um, Judd, and then the police chief, Paul, uh, uh, I, can't, I can't remember his last name. Um, Waters. Was, yeah, um, he, he was, he was uh, uh, bright enough and sensitive enough to realize this was not anything that the city wanted to be involved with, the police wanted to be involved with in, uh, for a long time. And the case, after the uh, uh, Tam's um, uh, uh, verdict, um, was settled for like $540,000. And and much of that went to, uh, uh, the the, uh, the majority went to the clients, of course, but PLC was able to earn some fees for its own operation and for um, uh, for the uh, um, uh, benefit of of making referrals to uh, other attorneys, and that brought the whole notion of impact work and um, case service work together, and it could not have been done by legal aid alone, and would not have happened if legal aid hadn't been there as the symbol of the place to go to for clients. So that that was just a unique example of how well we work together and how much it um, benefited the community we were trying to serve. I, I, I thank you for sharing that. That was a key moment in the history of um, pro bono work in Orange County. And when they chained the people on that hot summer day in Santa Ana football stadium, they also wrote in indelible ink numbers on the forearms, if that isn't reminiscent of some horrors, of my client and and lots of other clients. And I think uh, Judge uh, Tam uh, Tam, um, Schumann, she became Schumann, I think she was one of the first to say, um, homelessness was a protected class. That might not have survived ultimate appellate uh, review, but indeed it was courageous. And I give credit to Ed Connor and all the people that put that 
band together, as he used to call it. And I, I think it it set us off on the right track for future actions. Yeah. And, you know, I I remember I had been working with uh, Kali, the uh, lieutenant who had supervised this for the police before the event. And I, I even tried to stay uh, in a uh, working relationship with him after the event. And what he um, what he said after the event really reminded me of how important our education role was. He said, you know, Bob, I, I understand you were doing your job and um, folks at PLC were doing their job. But the one thing I didn't understand is why did everyone get so upset about us putting numbers on their arms? Absolutely. Know. So education was part of it. You know, may I say, President Greg, you are our present president, and we have a president going back a few years before you. Maybe you have some questions for Justice Trotter there. Absolutely. Justice Trotter, as you said earlier, you were OCBA president in 1978. Uh, You were also one of the founders of the PLC and came up with the original name, Amicus Publico. what got you interested in such an organization? And if you will talk about the role the OCBA played with regard to PLC in the early years. Well, you know, I, I profess uh, no expertise in uh, public law. I, I never was involved. I was never uh, involved after helping start it. <clears throat> but Andy kind of touched on this earlier. In the in the seventies, Orange County was changing, and it was changing rapidly, and it was changing for the good. I started practicing in Orange County when uh, women couldn't go into certain courtrooms wearing pants; the judge wouldn't let them in. I practiced in Orange County when uh, Jewish holidays were not recognized as holidays. So, Orange County in the sixties was not the Orange County of today. In the 70s, it began to change with the advent of law firms coming from Los Angeles. It was a growing, growing county. uh, And you could see the potential that was there. Uh, Andy's firm, uh, Shepard Mullen, Paul Hastings, Gibson all came to Orange County sometime in the 70s. I, I don't know exactly when. But the whole nature of the county changed. And I I could see just from my position as I was a trial lawyer that uh, we weren't reaching everybody. There was still a a huge class of people that were untouched by Orange County's remarkable growth. And so I don't know how it happened, but Sheila and I were talking and figured out, you know, there has to be some way that we can reach out. Uh, in an official capacity uh, through the Bar Association to do something. I forgot what role I was in the bar at that time. I was not yet president. And anyway, so Sheila and I began to talk. And the only thing that uh, I could think of, I wasn't smart enough to be able to get into the detail that you later people have done, but was to raise money to figure out to put together some type of a fundraising effort. And I think we started that. And I I don't remember uh, how it ended up. I remember the culmination of it was Warren Ferguson issuing an order that uh, facetiously that everybody would donate to it. Uh, 
And he was he was such a wonderful guy to work with. We included him right away, or maybe it was the other way around. Maybe maybe he included us. But he was he was a a big heart and a, a very energetic guy. And so we just had an idea that Orange County was better than it was showing itself to be. And we had to do something to help those less fortunate. And that was really the motivation. We weren't particularly sophisticated on knowing how to do that. Uh, and we turned it over to the people that have proven to be highly successful. And I think Orange County should be very proud of the things that small county, but the things that it has accomplished it, it is amazing. And uh, this is one of them. So I, I'm very proud. I know I had a very small part in the beginning, but it was just the idea that Sheila and I had together along with Warren. Warren uh, and it, look, what it, look what it grew into. And I'm proud of that. I'm so glad you mentioned Judge Ferguson. May I say, to this date, I believe he is the only Ninth Circuit judge who can claim Orange County as his home. And, you know, maybe we'll get that fixed in the near future. But uh, <laughs> Judge Ferguson was a great one. And, you know, speaking of funding, I wonder if Scott or Bob or Ken may, may give us a few words on how funding has worked for you. Either of you, uh, uh, I sure want to hear Bob talk about IOLTA, but what do you folks want to say? Scott, you look like you're ready. I would. I will tell you, I get such a kick. I still get my emails for the annual dinner and everything. And I can remember when I think I got my our first $2,500 check from one of the big firms. And they were like the biggest donor we had ever had in the history. And I thought I was the most brilliant fundraiser on the planet. And now I get the thing and there's, oh, there's 10,000 here and 40,000 here. And, you know, the just the scope. You know, I, I think for especially for maybe Bob and I that were there, at the you know, so early in this, it's just somewhat difficult to to recognize that that work that Bob's been talking about at the beginning and that Judge Trotter's talking about has resulted in the scope and size of the operation that exists today. Um, and I know all that was necessary in order to get there, um, but it, it's it's I, I have such pride um, to to see where things are now. I, I take that invitation every year to our local bar association here in Evansville, Indiana, and I show it off and say I used to run that joint, and you know that's more money than we have the Evansville Bar Association has for ten years. Um, it's just a really wonderful thing. But you know, funding was very challenging. You know, despite being amongst great wealth in Orange County, it was really hard to raise money to help poor people. Um, it's always hard to raise money to help poor people, but it, we were in an environment where it was not, um, it was much easier to raise money for a museum or um, or for an orchestra. Um, it was less easy to raise money for a homeless veteran. Um, and so I give great kudos to Judge Trotter and Justice Sonnenschein, all the Judge Ferguson, Ed Connor, I love hearing that name, um, that were so committed to making sure that low-income individuals in Orange County had access to the type of legal assistance necessary to make their lives valuable. Well, I'd say one of the challenges of fundraising, being at a big firm, when I went to my big firm and said, Mr. Wiley would like to see a $2,500 check, <laughs> I'd say, well, we already gave it to... Yeah. LA organizations. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think over the years, the big firms have merged uh, and developed and realized that Orange County needs a separate check, at least as big as LA. And, and I have to say with Monica on the screen, we haven't heard from her, Monica. So we just finished our dinner. Do, 
how'd it go? Did we make some money? We did great. We did make some money. We surpassed our budgeted goal and raised almost $700,000 from the event. And that's a combination of law firm sponsorships, individual giving on the night of, silent people participating in the silent auction, all, all across the board. Yep. Ken or Bob, anything more on funding? Well, yeah. I mean, I've, you know, Scott talked about, you know, how he opened up that, that check, the $2,500 and was ecstatic at the size of the check. And, and the event certainly has grown. Um, but it grew in large part because of the support we were able to create within the legal community. And as the community continued to expand as more and more firms um, opened offices in Orange County that were inclined to do pro bono work, we did our best to try and get them involved in the work. And it was that engagement in the work that gave the firms the sense that investing maybe more than 2,500 bucks was an okay thing to do because they suddenly began to realize that it wasn't just, you know, one lawyer here or one lawyer there that might be doing work with PLC. It was teams of lawyers. It was summer associates, associates, partners, who were getting involved in the work. And that only happened because we were able to expand sort of one thing built on another. Um, and, but it was that greater engagement by the Orange County legal community that led to that event, bringing in the $700,000 that Monica just talked about. Um, it, it wouldn't have happened without the firms buying into the pro bono work um, and realizing that, that they were basically investing in this organization that was going to make their role as pro bono lawyers that much easier. And I, I also understand that there were restrictions placed on legal charities that were receiving funds from the Legal Services Corporation. What what role did that restriction, what is, well, let me back up. What is the Legal Services Corporation briefly and what role did that restriction play in the creation of PLC? Well, the Legal Services Corporation is a uh, nonprofit corporation founded by um, the uh, uh, federal government. Um, Richard Nixon, on his way out of office, signed um, uh, the Legal Services Corporation into law. It, it, it may have been the last thing he did before he uh, resigned. Um, and um, it uh, it took some courage on his part because he had vetoed the bill um, at first. And then um, it, in spite of uh, very conservative uh, um, uh, uh, colleagues um, or staffers, he signed it into law because he thought it was the right thing to do. And um, as it evolved, a couple of things happened. One, it's... Uh, uh, restricted the type of work that legal aids could provide. First, it would do it with its own money. Um, and later, in 1996, it would do it with uh, um, whatever source of money that you had. You had to agree you would not undertake uh, uh, the types of cases that were restricted. And among um, other types, um, they had limits on the types of eviction um, legal aid could do in public housing. Uh, they had limits on, uh, they, they forbid 
um, class actions um, uh, to be undertaken by legal aid. And they forbid any cases that generated fees from being undertaken by legal aid. I guess we could have undertaken them, but we couldn't accept the fees. Um, so the existence of PLC complemented um, uh, and um, made real the, the full circle of, a, uh, of capabilities that uh, a legal program, um, a legal community um, would have to provide for um, its, uh, um, it, 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 the least among us, who, as far as having access to uh, legal services. And we did that together. Um, it could not have happened with us alone. It wouldn't have happened as as uh, effectively with uh, PLC alone. Um, but it works great together. And I, and I I could say that one of the restrictions that really benefited um, uh, PLC was the twelve and a half percent of our budget um, had to go into funding pro bono work. And I don't know, Monica, if it's still going on, but we used to contribute uh, that to uh, um, uh, to you guys um, to uh, uh, to do your work uh, um, better. Um, so, I mean, all those restrictions um, uh, limited us individually, but didn't limit us together as a community. And um, so it... it, it the combination works uh, wonderfully together. And uh, um, can I tell you the story about how uh, um, our IOLTA fund um, became um, uh, one of the uh, primary sources of, uh, of funding for not only us, but I, I think PLC, you, you still get IOLTA money. Um, is that true, Monica? Um, yeah, well, the interesting part of the story is at the very beginning, um, people, uh, lawyers were very uncertain whether this was a good idea or not. Um, they were uncertain because it involved client trust funds. And um, uh, the law got signed, into, got signed into law by Jerry Brown. There was some shock in the bar about uh, not this was a good idea um, in 1981 after uh, Governor Brown signed it into law. And there was shock because it was, uh, it assumed that no one uh, uh, could uh, um, have any say over how the money was uh, uh, spent other than the, the bar and um, through its, its program. Um, and the attorneys um, uh, had to participate. Um, that whole issue of attorneys having to participate came up in the uh, bar convention um, right after the bill was signed into law. And our governor at the time um, was a little bit wary about what had happened. And he gave this fiery speech at the end of the uh, convention, right before they were voting on whether or not to repeal IOLTA. He gave a fiery speech saying, I had 500 bills on my desk that week. And if I had known it was mandatory, I never would have signed it. Um, right after that, the, uh, uh, the conference of delegates voted and they voted two to one to support the program. But the thing about that vote was that the two bar associations 
that were supporting the program were Orange County and San Francisco. And the two bar associations that were opposing the program were San Diego and Oakland. And Orange County, through its lobbying, um, carried the day. When the program was at its weakest, um, it made it survive. So, um, you know, everyone knows how the program grew nationwide, but um, they might not know of the significant role Orange County played when the idea was at its uh, beginning. And uh, uh, we have to thank the bar for that because I don't know if the whole thing would have happened without your support. And Bob, can you can you tell us more about IOLTA? What, what is it? And and you were central in 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 coming up with the idea. Tell us how how that came about. Our first effort in getting funding for uh, state funding involved um, uh, filing fee funding and, um, uh, and through the bar, and uh, that bill um, required a two thirds vote. And in the state uh, um, uh, state legislature, and um, it literally was one vote short. Um, and the governor, the governor's legal secretary, refused to help us with that one vote. So we had to go. We had to go back and go back to the drawing board, and we learned about the way Canada, the way England. The way Australia, I even visited the the programs there, um, uh, ran their programs through interest on lawyers' trust accounts. the The way it works is that the uh, the pro the the funding that cannot earn money for any individual client aggregated together, and the interest of the ag- aggregate amount is then forwarded to the bar. And in the case of California, there's a uh, formula uh, used to uh, uh, divide up the money in part based upon what other money you've been able to raise and in part based upon whether or not you're a pro bono program or a uh, a legal aid uh, funded program. Pro bono programs getting double the amount uh, a legal aid would get for the same funding. That's a good summary. Ken, you want to add anything? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, Bob's role was, I mean, Bob, is, as usual, is understating the incredible, um, important role that he played uh, in, in all of this. Uh, it, it is a program that has made a monumental difference in the lives of the clients served by PLC, as well as the lives of the clients served by the roughly 100 other legal aid organizations in California that are funded through the uh, state bars uh, programs. And, and what's really interesting is that the, the over the last several years, and this has really been something that's happened more in the last, say, five to seven years or so, uh, there have been other bits of funding. Well, first, actually, earlier than five to seven years ago, back in the uh, early 2000s, there was a second uh, pot of money that was created. It was thought to be perhaps a one-time only deal, but it's lasted now for 23 plus years. Uh, and so it's clearly not a one-time only deal. It's called the Equal Access Fund. And it consists of both a general fund appropriation and going back to Bob's mention of that very first bill that didn't get through, a filing fee tack on. One dollar 
of every civil of, of every unlimited civil filing fee in California goes to the Equal Access Fund, raises about four to five million dollars a year because of that filing fee tack on. Well, what's amazing in, in terms of what the bar has been able to do, it's been able to become sort of the the the, the focal point for funding of legal services on the state level um, here in California. So uh, I was just looking a little earlier at some data from the state bar. The first year the bar did grants was 1984. And in 1984, um, $6.8 million was granted out throughout the state of California. I don't know how many programs there were in 1984. There possibly weren't 100, but there were no doubt a fair number. Um, and, and PLC and Legal Aid were both programs that participated in that 6.8 million. Well, the number has grown. Um, uh, and it, even if you adjust for inflation, if you adjusted for inflation, you'd be at about 20 million. In 2023, the state bar is allocating to legal aid programs $146 million. Um, it's a massive amount of money. Some of that federal money that is passed through the state bar um, to uh, legal aid programs. Uh, but it really has become just a, a wow. massive uh, uh, catalyst to provide good in the community. And that all started with the IOLTA program. But for the IOLTA program that Bob was so instrumental in starting, um, the state bar never would have become this funder that is uh, funding huge amounts of legal services to low-income people around the state. I have to add that our own Bob Cohen right here in Orange County, which would surprise a lot of people, not only was innovative on things like IOLTA, but self-help kiosks in courtrooms and courthouses, uh, I should say courthouses, I think Bob played a central role in that. Um, so we're proud to have you here, Bob. M moving on, Scott, when you started at PLC in 1992, the age of 29. Lord. What's that? I said, oh, Lord. Now oh. everybody can calculate my age. So what what uh, what brought you to PLC? How many lawyers were on your staff? Tell us uh, about the early years at the PLC. Uh, Shirley Huffstedler suggested I apply. I had worked for her in Los Angeles, and she was the patron saint of my whole career until she passed away a few years ago. Um, every opportunity I've gotten, including in Indiana, um, she had a finger in. Um, was a wonderful, wonderful person to support. She's the one that suggested I apply. Ed Connor hired me. Um, you know, I was a 29-year-old kid. I'd run pro, pro bono programs for the LA County Bar for a couple of years because after the, you know, the kind of legal um, recession in the late 80s, um, you know, her firm was kind of breaking up and going into Morrison and Forrester. I didn't want to go to the big firm. Um, and so this was a wonderful opportunity. And they took a took a big chance of me. I was a 29-year-old kid um, with very little in terms of um, legal experience other than volunteer coordination. Um, by the way, um, early in, I, I was also poor and <laughs> you know, working in legal aid. And I still, by the way, Andy, the board in 19, I think it was probably 93, 94. Uh, I'd been at PLC for a couple of years and the board gave me a Christmas bonus. We didn't have any money. So the board got together and all chipped in and bought me a tuxedo because I kept going to black tie events in a suit because I didn't have enough money to own a tuxedo. I can still fit in the damn, I still have it. I wow. still wear it. 
Um, and I can still fit in it, although it is a bit of a squeeze. Uh, <laughs> no, the early years, in fact, I pulled out, by the way, you know, the, the listeners can't hear, but I, I tried to figure out how many people we had on staff. I pulled out a picture that I have that our staff gave me when I retired um, from PLC, because I was on the State Board of Governors at the time, and I went over to Whittier Law School, so I'd have enough time because I had this great desire to move up at the State Bar. Um and follow your footsteps, Andy. Um, and I did eventually get to be president of the California Bar Foundation. Um, didn't quite get to be president of the California Bar, but I got the head of the foundation. We had one other attorney. It was me and one other attorney and um, three part-time staff people. Um, and I moved into an organization that was regularly within four to six weeks of not being able to make payroll. Um and with people scrambling to try to get this new thing going. I mean, I came in right after the kind of merger of Amicus Publico and the other organization and the change of the name from Poverty Law Center to Public Law Center, which I'm still convinced was only so that we didn't have to change the initials on the towels. Um, you know, the, the reality is we were a pretty lean and, and slim organization. Um, but the support of the local bar, and this gives me a great chance, you know, I'm looking on the screen that we're all looking at while we do this podcast recording, and there's the logo for the Orange County Bar Association. The reason PLC is where it is now is that there was a consensus, regardless of opinion of the types of work that we did or the work that Legal Aid and PLC did together, but there was a belief in our within our bar association of really taking our oath of attorney very seriously and providing and making sure access to justice um, was a core value. Um, and our bar association, the entirety of the decade or so that I worked closely with the organization, um, I, I don't know if I've ever worked with the bar association that more um, thoroughly supported. Um, and with that, the support of the judiciary that is so vital, especially in the creation of a civilly led organization. So, you know, I, 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 we, I just always viewed that I did a good job at teeing up what we could eventually become. And it's been such a great joy over the last 25 years of now watching what that initial group. And it, by the way, that picture that I held up, Andy, it has grace in it. Um, you know, the attorneys in Orange County who really stuck in and really helped in that early part. Um, I mean, we just all must take great pride in looking. I can't imagine making $700,000 at a single event. That was like three times the whole budget of PLC when I started in 1992. Um, I do think our budget was like $350,000. Um, I remember the first time we made more than $50,000 at a dinner and it was like, you know, I had really hit it big. Um, it's just, you know, any agency you know, when you look back, I mean, if you look back at the beginning of the Legal Aid Society of Orange County, if you look back at LAFLA or Public Council, they all started somewhere. We were just a little bit behind for the size of county we were um, at the time. But um, it, it, it was the entire time I was there, the whole seven plus years, um, it got bigger and better and, and more valuable to the lives of poor people um, every year. And, and those initial founding folks like, like Judge Trotter and um, Sheila and some of the other folks, you know, the, the great shoulders to climb on. Well, I think you all should be so proud. I think Orange County punches above its weight. 
and it has for a lo- has for a long time, and it isn't recognized. But you all know that, and there are so many other areas in which Orange County has been a leader. For a small little county, we're doing okay. But I take great pride in what you all have done, and I certainly hope you do. Well, I just have to say, when you say punches above the weight, when I became president in 1991, my first president's page was called Pride and Prejudice, which <laughs> which exactly went to the notion of all the reasons for us to be proud and how come the rest of the state didn't recognize it. <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned Grace, but may we say Grace Emery yeah. is her full name, was her full name. God bless her. She probably set the record for time on the board. Yeah, uh, like decades, and she was a firecracker, and and um, I miss her greatly. I'll open this one up for anyone, but um, Scott, you talked about the collaboration between the bar, the OCBA, and PLC. Um, want to open it up to to others if you can share your thoughts and experiences on the collaborative efforts over the years between the OCBN and PLC? Well, sure. I, uh, I mean, the collaboration has been essential. And, uh, and, and Scott had done such a tremendous job, as you said, teeing it up. Um, and and a, a large part of what he teed up was the incredibly strong support of the organized bar um, for PLC. That was when I came here in 2000. There was not one iota of doubt um, about how strongly the bar supported PLC. Um, and uh, that that came through in a lot of different ways, but it, it was probably most noticeably um, made apparent to me after I'd been on board for about three years. Um, uh, we were occupying um, as tenants um, the building that the bar had formerly been in. Um, uh, they had moved in 97. Um, and Scott had moved the organization into their space and, and we were in that space rent free. And so in 2003, the building was getting older. Um, it was, uh, uh, the maintenance costs were growing and the bar was getting a little tired of maintaining this building. And so they came to us and came to me and said, look, we've got a proposal for you. We would like to sell you the building. We will carry back the note. Um, we'll finance it. We'll carry back the note and, and we'll, we'll, we won't even charge you interest on the note. It'll be a 0% interest um, note. Now, the auditors later made clear that there is no such thing as a 0% interest note over time. And so they had to impute some interest to it. Um, But the bar carried it back. And not only did they do that, but the bar, the OCBA made a donation through its LRIS program. And and, uh, historically, there have been two ways that the OCBA has supported PLC. One is through a grant through the charitable fund, um, and that that has gone on year after year after year. But there's also been a donation through the LRIS program. There's a there's a portion of state bar regulations governing lawyer referral and information services that require them to either have a program to provide free legal services to low income people or support such a program. And the way the OCBA's LRIS has done that um, has been to donate money to PLC. Well, that particular year, the LRIS was fairly flush because they had there was some big case that somebody had settled and the the forwarding fee, the fee that the LRIS collects was ginormous. And so the the bar came to me and said, well, we will give you six hundred thousand dollars, which you can then use as a down payment. 
um, and give it right back to us. Um, uh, and so I went to the board of directors and I said, okay, they're offering to basically give us the money for the down payment. They're offering to carry back the paper. They're offering to um, charge us no interest. This is the deal you can't refuse. You have to, we have to do this. And of course, we did our due diligence that we that we would do, that any lawyer would do in engaging in a real estate transaction. And we came to the conclusion that, yeah, we should do it. Um, and to this day, PLC's main office is that office at 601 uh, West Civic Center um, that uh, that the bar sold to us back in 2003. And so it without the support of the OCBA, that permanent home for PLC, that permanent place in the community just would not have existed. You know, when you when you talk about the ongoing support, I have to say there, there were some years where it was a bit of a challenge. Uh, I actually think before Scott, uh, I was very involved with the Bar Association, and I could remember getting some pushback, like, why do we want to give money to help poor people with their legal issue? And so I, I do have to say, when we put together our mission statement, you know, all organizations sit down and talk about mission statements, and they can be positive or negative or useless or, or useful. Um, I, I have to say, I, I distinctly remember myself um, adding the words and to assist the community served by it. We talked about to enhance the system of justice. Sure, the lawyers help the judges and we come up with our system of justice. To support the lawyers, sure, the Bar Association does all their little goodies they can do for the lawyers. And I remember a few of us made sure it said, and to assist the community served by it. And later, when there was opposition, a diminishing opposition, I will say, to sending sending money where it belongs. It was always good to say, oh, look at that mission statement. We've done those first two. Why don't we do a little more of the last? And and indeed, there has been um, now an unquestioned assumption that the Bar Association needs to support PLC and indigent legal services. You know, there's a lot of charities the bar supports and does wonderful work helping the use of our committee, helping veterans. Uh, but I've always believed there's a special role for helping poor people with their legal work. And I think people need to remember that. And I think one of the things that makes PLC so important is it focuses on poor people with their legal work. All the other things are wonderful, but I don't, I, I think we have to keep focus as lawyers, that the access to justice issue is important. And I think uh, the PLC has done that, and I'm so proud of it. And Ken, the, the PLC has functioned almost like an incubator for other public interest organizations in Orange County. Uh, tell us about that. Well, that, that idea of sort of incubation really grew with the, the, the way that we uh, grew programs um, at PLC. And, and you know, I, I basically, as I was trying to grow the organization from the solid foundation that Scott had, had left for me, um, I, I basically looked at three things um, every time I was trying to grow a program. I looked at, was there a community need? Was this something that was fundable? And fundamentally, was this something the pro bono lawyers would want to get involved in? And if, if, if I could answer all three of those questions in the affirmative, 
I would look at trying to grow a program. And, and it was those programs which ultimately led to some other organizations being formed. But part of the way that that happened, and, and I, the, the history of the organization wouldn't be complete if I didn't um, uh, describe this in, in a little bit. And, and it's, it's something, Andy, you were aware of because you were on the board at the time. Uh, but we were approached in 2003 um, uh, by a, a, a good friend of several of ours who has been involved in the access to justice uh, community for uh, many years, a woman by the name of Karen Lash. Um, and, and Karen Lash um, uh, came to me and said, uh, you know, the uh, uh, Equal Justice Works, this organization in D.C. where I am presently working, has for years provided fellowships to um, direct legal services providers, LSC recipients like, like Bob's organization. We're looking at doing this with pro bono organizations. And would you like to get in on the ground floor of that? And I said, sure. Um, I didn't know exactly how it would work, didn't know exactly what it would do. But we proceeded to get involved in the AmeriCorps program. And, and this was AmeriCorps hiring lawyers. These weren't like high school students. This was AmeriCorps paying for new lawyers generally speaking, right out of law school. And most every new lawyer who started with PLC from about the year 2003 to about the year 2012 started as an AmeriCorps legal fellow. Um, and, and so the AmeriCorps program was essential in PLC's ability to grow. And it was through that that, that you know one of the programs, Volunteer or, or Veterans Legal Institute, VLI that's um, run by uh, Antoinette Nadur, um, who's a member of the OCBA Board of Directors. Um, Antoinette was a AmeriCorps legal fellow at PLC when she first came up with the idea of a veterans project program. And she actually started our veterans pro project at PLC and then decided to leave and form her own organization, which is now a tremendous success. Brooke Weitzman, of the Elder Law Center. Um, Brooke Weitzman was an AmeriCorps legal fellow um, uh, with us working on uh, homelessness issues uh, at PLC. Um, and so we've been able to take that kind of seed funding and use it not only to grow programs, but to help others um, develop ideas that, that ultimately became separate um, freestanding legal aid organizations. Can I ask a question about, um the sources of funding, but the different organizations that there are out there. There is the Orange County Bar Foundation, and there's the Charitable Fund, and maybe there's been some confusion on that. Does anyone care to work comment on how that's worked out? You know, I can I can do my best. I mean, the 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 uh, the Bar Foundation uh, uh, back in the 1990s, and Scott was was there, and Bob was there, and so you probably know the story better than I do. Um, but the Bar Foundation started doing programmatic work, um, and ultimately, um, the decision was made to um, separate themselves from the bar uh, and form uh, an organization now known as Project Youth Orange County, uh, Project Youth OC. Uh, and uh, uh, in the meantime, because the Bar Association is a 501c6 uh, organization and not a 501c3, the bar needed to have its own sort of captive 501c3. And that's um, when and I think the original name, and again, Bob, uh, Justice Trotter, Andy, Scott, you would know this better than I would, but I think the uh, initial name was um, Axe. Um, uh, 
ACTS, and it had that name for, I think, about a year or two, and then became the charitable fund. Yeah, I think there's a couple of points to make there. Uh, I actually remember, and I want to mention her name, Anne Andres, Jean Andres's wife, uh, both very active, heavy contributors. We, we've now lost Anne, but Gene, uh, I think it's going to be on a future program. I can remember Anne appearing before the board of directors of the Orange County Bar Association saying the foundation was the charitable heart of the Bar Association and we should use them as a pass-through. I think they had developed programs um, that were best done inconsistent with um, or, or separate from indigent legal services. And so I don't think they wanted to perform that pass-through function any further. And so I think that's where Ken just described uh, setting up the fund, which could give to uh, indigent legal services. So what I think we have now is, I want to emphasize the great work done um, through the through the organization that was the foundation and now has moved on to another name. Wonderful work, but also the key work now done uh, through the bar's uh, charitable fund, um, where indigent legal services can be part of the contribution. So there's there's been um, some evolution, let's say, and and all the groups are doing such wonderful things. Uh, again, I'd I'd like to say the heart of the PLC is where the heart of uh, many of us is, which is legal work for people. And Andy, if if you will. Um... Talk about the work uh, Ken has done over the years in building the PLC into a multi-million dollar organization uh, worthy of a sophisticated Orange County. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for asking me that question. Uh, Ken, I want to see you turn red and blush. Um, I, I had the great pleasure of serving on the board with Ken for, can I say, decades. And just before I became a judge serving as president... And I have to say, serving as president under Ken, or were you under me? I don't know which way it goes, but yeah, yeah I think I was under you. But uh, serving as president under Ken was truly remarkable to watch the great growth building on what Scott did. Um, Ken, you brought with us some of the sophistication of Los Angeles, and say what we want about uh, Orange County, it, it can benefit from looking at its big brother, big sister up north and uh, taking the best of what they were doing. And of course, we all knew some of the great uh, leaders of, of the organizations in Los Angeles. And Ken, you came down with all that knowledge and you knew what dinners needed to be, you know, not dusty little uh, rubber chicken affairs for uh, a couple of dozen folks, but huge gala affairs. And I must say in my time in Orange County, I'm trying to, I was trying to figure out what's the best dinner. You know, Judges Night probably still is the best dinner. And when you think of Orange County, I mean, it it just says everything about the greatness of Orange County. But I think the PLC has assumed the proud role just below Judges Night. And Judges Night, of course, doesn't perform the huge fundraising function. And now there's been other wonderful dinners, the ADL dinner and the Hispanic Bar dinner and all those other great gala dinners. But I, I still think, Ken, the, the kind of information and leadership you brought to grow that, you know, all the little things you do that we could describe that make the dinner, you know, you got to be there. You, you, you got to, you want to go. And and maybe if you want to be part of the community, 
you need to go. So, Ken, it, it has been an honor watching you do that. Along the way, I must say, we spent a lot of time dealing with that tension I talked to you about, uh, about big firms, charitable contributions, L.A. contributions versus Orange County contributions from the same firm. And, uh, you know, another problem is when we decide to do impact litigation, you know, the corporation may not give us contributions. And the law firm that represents that corporation may decide, now nah, we can send our money elsewhere. So, Ken, uh, through those uh, somewhat stormy waters, but but actually um, a lot of cooperation from the community, I, I think you did a, a wonderful job in so many ways. I always thought your speeches at the dinner, I'm kind of a student of good speeches, having heard a lot of them. I always like the way you handle it, and and I can see Monica is is doing a great job following up on that. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, I've talked to you post retirement and given you my kudos, but now on video, let me pass on my kudos. And and as I said to to Bob and and to Justice Trotter, you know, look back on your life and think of all the people helped, all the lives improved because of the work you have done as a leader to this organization. And just as a final thing, it kind of fits my theme for all of these presentations that dusty old Orange County, bedroom community to Los Angeles is no longer that because of the leadership of the faces I'm looking at here. It has grown to to, to a juggernaut in so many areas and particularly in this area, which is so um, so important to all of us. You know, it is 3 million people now. Um, and um, the whole history of what we have done over the last 50 years, I think, is the history of our county and the history of, gosh, uh, Dusty County, Backwater County, uh, Bedroom County, uh, uh, to become one of the leading legal communities in the United States of America. I could say one of the best communities and one of the best states and one of the best countries in the world. So that that's what we've become. And um, I'm just proud to be a part of it. I'm, I'm proud to uh, have had the opportunity to work with each of you. So, Ken, thank well, you. Thank you. I, I second all those all those wonderful remarks, uh, you know, from my prehistoric position here. Uh, it, it's just amazing to me to see what's happened over these last 50 years. Well, I, if I could just, Justice Trotter, I wanted to thank you for the kind words and, and thank Andy for the, the kind words. Um, uh, just a quick story before you sign off. Um, so I was in LA at another legal aid organization, Public Council, um, for 11 years before coming to PLC. And I watched through the enormous growth that Public Council went through. And I was the sort of the number two there at public council for all that time. And I watched what worked and what didn't work. And I brought those lessons to bear um, at PLC when I joined. And I think that's part of the reason why I got the job, quite frankly, is because they had seen the board knew what had happened in LA, had known about the growth of public council and, and wanted me to engage in that same kind of growth at PLC. Well, I'd been on the job maybe for about three or four months. Um, and our board president at the time, uh, Rick Derivan, an appellate specialist at Snell and Wilmer, um, pulled me aside and he said, you know, Ken, maybe you shouldn't start every sentence with the way we did it in L.A. 
Um, that's probably not the best thing to say in Orange County to start every sentence with the way we did it in L.A. If you want to say I've seen it done or we've tried this or I know this has worked or this hasn't worked. But don't start every sentence with the way we did it in L.A. Um, and it was a very important lesson that I, I took to heart. Um, Monica, you, you've been with with the PLC since 2018. You are the fifth person to hold the title of executive director of the PLC. As you look towards the future, what is your vision for PLC? Well, I had the great fortune of taking over PLC at a time when the hard work of my predecessors has really poised us to take our work to the next level. So I don't, I don't take for granted at all the great privilege that I have. Far cry from the situation that Scott described when he was starting a PLC or even Ken. So I don't take that at all for granted. So I do see my mandate and my job as taking this great work and and bringing us to kind of the PLC 2.0. Um, I think at this point, you know, we're financially healthy. We have the heart. We have good people. We have built strong community partnerships. So then all that's left is for us to achieve this really unlimited potential that we have to make a difference in, in Orange County. It's so interesting to me to hear these stories because it's it's weird. It's really inspirational that some things have not changed at all. And this, I'm fighting some of the exact same fights <laughs> that apparently were you all were fighting in the 80s. I don't, I suppose I should be depressed, but on the other hand, that also makes me feel like I'm part of something bigger, right? That I'm continuing on this battle, whether it's you know trying to figure out how to bring our legal work and bring our pro bono work into the courtroom to actually make change and make it stick. <laughs> so it turns out this is not new and this is the same thing that we've been doing <laughs> since the 80s. Um, that's what I that's what I see. So I think what this looks like maybe for PLC 2.0 is looking at how we can be more strategic about our work as lawyers, um, about how and when we intervene in the problems facing low-income folks. Um, what is the best, what is the best way for us to use the courts to as a tool to create change today. Clearly, this has been a central value and tenet of, of PLC since the beginning, since it was Orange County Public Interest Law Advocates. Um, and I think a lot of folks are around the table with me to try to think about that really seriously. Um, where do lawsuits make change? Where is it actually outside of the courts? Where can lawyers complement and empower community-led movements? Where is that more our, our role? And might be more appropriate. Um, so I think a lot of folks, including me, are looking at using our legal work in a way that might be maybe thinking outside the box. How can we be creative and innovative? How can we make the biggest impact with, you know, frankly, not enough attorneys? We are always looking to attract more public interest-minded attorneys to our cause, but I will tell you in the current market we're in, in 2023, we're facing the same hiring charge challenges that every industry is in America. So um, by necessity, I think we really need to think carefully about, okay, if it's not, if we're not going to get an attorney by the side of every person, for example, facing eviction, then what can we as lawyers do? If the reality is that most of the communities we serve are going to be going into those courts by themselves, then how can we take the tools, the the swords, if you will, that we've honed during law school in our careers and, and create them into tools that the communities can wield for themselves? Not to use so many military <laughs> metaphors, but I do think of it in that way. Um, I think that we also, this is a, a moment in time where we need to be thoughtful and think about who are we not reaching and why in Orange County. There's certain communities that are are really hard to reach. Um, I think 
Ken, I know, you know, during my time worked very hard to, to make PLC a very diverse workforce. We are fortunate to have a number of our staff who are natives of the very low-income communities that we serve. So the lived experiences and challenges that face our clients are not at all abstract or theoretical to us. They are deeply in our heart. But I think there is more to do there. There's more work to be done around diversity um, and inclusion. I think we need to look, for example, Orange County has the biggest Vietnamese and Vietnamese American community in the United States. Um, and Ken has worked very hard to increase that representation on our staff. And I'm continuing to work hard at that, but it is a challenge. And we also don't see um, enough. I think we need, to, I'm, I'm working right now, actually, to create relationships in the Vietnamese American bar in Orange County to get more of them involved. So I think ways to think about, okay, who, we've done so much good work, who is being left out? Who are we not reaching and why? So looking at our work with that critical lens, I think is needed now to take us to the next level. And then finally, one thing that I think hasn't actually come up yet that maybe Ken's being a little bit modest about is in addition to being a bit of an incubator for legal nonprofits, we also have had a role as a supporter and a growth factor for community-led organizations. Um, and I I have definitely taken that ball and running with it in terms of thinking about ways that we can use PLC's resources and the great support we have from the community to help smaller organizations that are community-based, community-led, not necessarily legal, and trying to make change in non-legal ways. So one example is Be It Rise, which is a small grassroots-led um, organization that's trying to empower and reach across different generations of Vietnamese American communities in Orange County to, to get them engaged in the fights for you know, access to, to affordable housing, um, access to justice, for Vietnamese communities that have often been left behind. And that's an important role that PLC has played and we need to continue to be a leader in that. And then finally, I think uh, in terms of the fundraising lens, I, you know, growth, sustaining our growth, of course, is a very big concern of mine. I think now I need to look at how can we continue to grow? And I'm looking at ways that we can broaden our circle and recruit champions outside of the, or the Orange County legal community. Um, I do think we're going to have to do more in the social media sphere. That's just the, the world we live in today. I know, God forbid. Um, you know, I'm old enough that I'm on the cusp that this is not totally my <laughs> total comfort zone, but I'm, you know, we're gonna have to move more into social media, look into individual giving. And really, I think the, the space for us the, to be really competitive, I think it really makes us so special is leaning into our Orange County identity. You know, that's really PLC's special sauce. We're the only nonprofit law firm that is solely for Orange County by Orange County. We're the only one. And that is so unique and special. And I think you combine that with the special Orange County legal community, which is so tight-knit, so collaborative, has such a special special collegial, collegial relationships with the bench that you really don't see, frankly, in other legal markets. And, and Frankly, not in LA either. They can't boast of that. And when you put this combination together of our special Orange County focus, our deep, deep ties of the community and the Orange County legal community, it's such a potent combination. And so I'm really looking to ways that we can elevate that, promote it, get it out there more to get more supporters to our cause. Well, thank you. Well, be, because of uh, great leaders like you all, um, Bob, uh, Scott, Ken, Justice Trotter, Judge Guilford, Monica, you, we just see how OC, the Orange County community was able to come together and make a huge difference in our community. Uh, thanks for the work that you have done and continue to do. Uh, and thanks for sharing that history with us today. 
And I should say, Michael, as one of the many things he's doing as president, has uh, put this um, look at our historical past uh, for the Bar Association. And uh, I think this is the first video that's been done, and there's a lot more interesting ones to come. And Michael, you've put in a lot of work, and uh, it's been great just seeing these people. So thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, Michael, for all you're, you're doing with this. It's my pleasure. I, I love hearing the history. So I I'm 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 envisioning that others uh share my uh my interest in in uh our unique history in Orange County. Okay, can I tell you one last little story? So Monica mentioned the transactional work that PLC does. And that was actually the very first project that I started with AmeriCorps funding. And part of the reason that I started is I got a call from a nonprofit organization asking for the executive director of the public law center. I said, well, that's me. Um, and I talked to this, this person and she said, well, I have a problem of uh, employee, employee rights issue. And, and Scott Wiley, who was your predecessor, used to help me all the time. He would give me legal advice as to what to do. And I said, well, I'm a litigator. Scott was a transactional lawyer. Like that would make sense for Scott to do that. But I wouldn't know the first thing about what to advise you on. So I thought, well, geez, I better like start a project here where I'm going to have all these people like knocking at my front door and I'm not going to have any clue what to do with them. Scott did, but I wouldn't. So I better start this project. <laughs> <laughs>